Welcome, everyone, to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting-edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at Mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome everyone, Dr. Mercola, helping you take control of your health. And today we're joined by Meryl Nass, who's been with us before. And today we're going to talk about a new article she wrote about the World Health Organization's upcoming treaty. And she'll give us an update on when it's likely to be passed into into, uh, accepted as a treaty, but the implication it has for not protecting us from pandemics, but actually increasing the pandemics. So welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. All right. So uh, what catalyzed this article and why did you decide to write it? Well, I, um, you know, I'd been reading the documents, so the different drafts of the amendments and the pandemic treaty have been put forward. They're a mix of things. They're different ideas put forward by the different countries. And then there's a group within the WHO that tries to harmonize them, put them together, and also make sure that what the WHO wants is in them. And so I had finally read through line by line the June 2nd most recent um, draft of the pandemic treaty. And it had things that were much worse and more explicit in it than before. And I felt compelled to start writing about it. And then after I'd written a short piece, I realized it was too important and I needed to write a long piece with background and and links and try to get the message out to a lot of people because once the, the only reason the these documents and the plan, the biosecurity agenda through the pandemic treaty and the international health amendments, the only reason it's got as far as it has is that nobody's read it. Nobody's read these documents. It doesn't understand what the plan is and may not understand the backstory. And so I thought I would provide my version of the backstory and and the future story. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's what happened. All right. Well, why don't you give us your per- perception of the backstory of this document? Because this has pretty profound implications, of course, if it passes and it's and maybe give us your latest uh, update on your the likelihood of it passing and the timing on that. But when and if it passes, it has uh, really negative imp- impacts for, well, positive impacts for the global cabal, but, but negative for us and their implementation to control and secure us. Yeah. So there are di- there are many um, different paths that are happening at the same time that global organization globalist organizations or global or in multinational organizations are putting forward so there has been the development of a financial apparatus um it's had a few names but anyway the world bank and the who and the and the united nations and the united states have gotten together and said we need a lot of money to create a worldwide global biosecurity agenda 
And therefore, since nobody's going to donate the amount of money it's going to take, we have to create new uh, novel, imaginative financial mechanisms so that nations can borrow huge sums of money, pay them back at low interest rates over long time periods um, to make this work. So that is go is happening. At the same time, the UN also wants into the action. It wants to be able to declare global shocks and manage them. And those could be the ones that the WHO wants to manage, which is biological warfare and pandemics that um, occur in more than one country. But so the UN has listed those two, but has also listed all sorts of other potential global shocks like climate change, um, supply chain interruptions, cyber uh, events, and even events in outer space. And they finalize it with black swan events, which means anything the UN wants to designate as a global shock can be one. And then the UN will come out with its management of that event. So, so the UN is asking, the, the Secretary General of the UN is asking its members um, next month in three weeks at the annual meeting of the UN General Assembly to give it permission to create this um, global emergencies platform is what it's called, which will give the Secretary General and the UN um, authority to manage global shocks. Also at that meeting, the WHO and the UN are coming together to try to divvy up how, how much power, how things are going to go for biological warfare and pandemics that affect more than one country in future. So look for um, information coming out on that on September 20th. Now, as far as the WHO goes, the WHO is first going after the um, ability to issue global instructions. And that was proposed in 2021 by the WHO. Uh, and the claim was that we handled this last pandemic so poorly that we absolutely need an organization to manage things for us better in the future. And of course, it was you know laid out in terms of equity, like the rich countries didn't give the poor countries enough vaccines, et cetera. That's what we did wrong. And so many people died, et cetera. What is never said is that, in fact, almost all the countries of the world were following the WHO guidance. And that is what caused this last pandemic to be so devastating, because the economic implications were all as a result of, of the lockdowns the resulting supply chain interruptions, the closure of schools, et cetera. Um, so the, although the WHO wants this great power, it hasn't said that it's going to do anything differently. Nobody at the level of the WHO or the UN or the United States public health authorities or president has said they did anything wrong. What they want to do is more of the same, and I mean more, lots more. So they want to put into law the requirement that nations have to censor their citizens so that no messages, no public health messages can come forward unless they are aligned with the WHO public health messaging. So if we thought social media 
censorship was bad, it's going to be law because it's it's it placed into a treaty that will supersede U.S. domestic law, you know, if we sign and ratify it. They uh, specifically say in the amendments to the international health regulations that they will tell countries what drugs to use and what drugs they won't be allowed to use in the event of a declared pandemic. Let me go back for a sec. So the pandemic treaty has never been written before. It's a completely new document and each draft has been different than the one before. But in the current draft, the, the director general of the WHO doesn't even need to declare a pandemic. That, that treaty, the pandemic treaty, will be in effect all the time. Now, in the current draft of the International Health Regulation Amendments, and those health regulations did exist, but they're being tightened up and, and changed to make them uh, edicts rather than recommendations. They, in their current form, do declare, do require a declaration by the Director General of WHO for a pandemic, a public health emergency of international concern um, before he can start giving orders. However, in the current version, there are no standards for what it takes for him to make that declaration. So, and he is allowed to make a declaration that there is a potential for a pandemic. Um, and also because in these documents, there is the requirement that nations perform extensive surveillance all the time and do genomic sequencing of what they find, we will nations will always be able to find viruses that have pandemic potential, right? You start going into your animals, wild animals, and looking for new coronaviruses, some of them are going to look a bit like these SARS coronaviruses or the MERS virus. You're then going to say this is a virus with pandemic potential, and then you can lockdown, you know, Medicaid, vaccinate, et cetera. So um, I hope I'm not being too confusing about these documents. They, <clears throat> they really will supersede domestic law if they are implemented. And um, my new organization, Door to Freedom, has created a poster to explain how that happens in the United States. And it, it, it's downloadable. You can print it out. And we're in the process of making a video to explain it as well. And it's a it's sort of a complicated legal explanation, but we've tried to make it as easy as possible. Um, the WHO appears to be nervous about the fact that some of these bits of information are in fact making it into the mainstream. And so they themselves have, have made little short videos with Tedros and other people at the WHO denying that this is a sovereignty grab, claiming that the WHO is not even going to be a party of the treaty, et cetera, et cetera. And most of that is are lies. So um, it, it'll, it will be confusing, but the WHO is definitely a party to this treaty, it is managing, it It intends in the current version, the June 2nd version, which is called the Bureau Draft, the WHO does intend to, to take management of certain aspects of pandemic control. Um, so the way 
these things get voted on is the international health regulations already exist, although for other purposes. And so the amendments will only require a 50% vote of who's ever in the room at the time of the, at the WHO next May when it has its annual meeting. And they will then go into effect pretty quickly. Um, nations can have the right to opt out over 10 months. But if you don't opt out within that officially opt out, send a document, you will be considered to be bound by that treaty. And both the new amendments and the pandemic treaty contain language that binds nations, which means it requires them to obey. And that was not the case before. Hmm. As far as the pandemic treaty goes, um, that two will be voted on next May. It requires a two-thirds vote in favor of all the members that are in the room, and it will go into effect after the 30th nation has um, ratified it. And 30 days after that, it will go into effect for all the nations that have signed on. If you haven't signed on to the treaty, it will not be in effect for you. But if you have signed on to the treaty, it's actually going to take you three years to get out. And that's important to remember, because I don't think too many people want to give the WHO three years of directing them how to manage public health emergencies before they can, uh, you know, before they can say no. But but I, I thought you said that uh, the, that every once the treaty is passed, that all nations are bound to it unless they opt out. And, they, and if they don't opt out in 10 months, they're in. Yeah, so that's what, there's two documents. So that's oh, okay. true okay. of the amendments to the international health regulations. Oh, okay. So you've got a 10 months to say no or else you're in. Right. Um, but the pandemic treaty, this new document is a two thirds vote. Only those who vote yes are in. They can't make you be party to a new treaty that you don't vote for. But the problem is all the uh, you know all the nations voted for the international health amendments previously in previous years, mm -hmm. so they're all attached to it. Except it wasn't a binding document until mm -hmm. now. You know, it wasn't. Well, people, many countries did obey, but they didn't have to. The United States obeyed when it wanted to, and did. It didn't want to, um, but anyway, that the it will change. Um, well, where would you like me to go next? Yeah, so it looks really bad. So nothing's likely is going to happen this year. They're just putting the pieces together to implement next year when it goes to their May meeting, and then sounds like before summer next year is they're going to be in control, and there's no way around it. Yes. Um, unless we can get unless so once you really read the documents and apparently nobody likes to read, you know, legalese, which is challenging to read and understand anymore. And so if you read it, you find it has all these terrible, terrible provisions. So the treaty, which I've been working on most recently, um, says we need to have um, rapidly produced vaccines. And so there's a lot in there about how the manufacturers have to get liability waivers. 
um, how you have to cut off time, you know, from testing, you have to cut off time here to cut off time there so we can get these rapid vaccines. And both the European Union, the US and CEPI have all already put forward a plan to develop a vaccine in 100 days and to get it manufactured by 130 days for everybody in the country. So that is the plan written down. It was uh, signed by um, Eric Lander when he was the science advisor and signed by, um, uh, what's his name? Used to be Bill Clinton's advisor. Now he's the secretary of state, Jake Sullivan. So they Mm -hmm. signed it. Um, It was put together by a group in Europe. So everyone's work and and CEPI, the organization founded by Jeremy Farrar, who's now the WHO's chief scientist, created this idea that we will make vaccines in 100 days for the next pandemics. It's a completely crazy idea because you don't have time to test the vaccines in human beings if you're developing them in 100 days. Um, The COVID vaccines were developed in 326 days. That was the fastest. That was a Pfizer vaccine. And the median testing in humans was only two months or less. And obviously, we gave the vaccines to billions of people, and we only found out later what the side effects were. And we still don't have a totally clear view of all the side effects and how often they occur because our countries have hidden the data. Um, So unless you can test a vaccine for longer than a median of two months, I would say for at least six months, and you collect honest data, you know, a complete data, you won't know what the what they cause. The side you cannot test vaccines in animals if you're going to use them in people, because the side effects in animals are completely different than the side effects in people. Even in monkeys, the side effects are different. Plus, the animals can't talk to us and tell us what they're feeling. So, but wasn't wasn't, know- wasn't one of the COVID vaccines approved in on ten rats? in like a week or two weeks. Yeah, well, so that was an approval means a license and it was authorized, you know, based on mouse studies. Yes, I don't know. I don't know if it was really- 10 mice. Yeah, there were, I know that in the, people said eight mice for Pfizer. I saw some studies for the Moderna. Um, This was the bivalent booster and they had at least a hundred mice in the Moderna study. But oh, a hundred, that makes a big mice. difference. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many because mice are different than people. And so you can't safety test animals. Um, all you can do is get titers. And even those are not necessarily mm-hmm. relevant to humans. So so the animal testing is, a, is just a very basic form of testing. The human testing is what is meaningful, both for efficacy and safety. And if that's not, not done, you don't know what you have. And Today, when FDA, you know, is letting things get through right and left without good tests, still only 29% of the vaccines presented to the FDA are given a license and 71% are rejected. It's hard to make a good vaccine. You, you, many have to be thrown away before you get to a safe and effective one. Unless you're Pfizer and there's a pandemic. Unless you have a complete waiver of liability, yes. and then you can inject people with anything, and there's no manufacturing standards, no safety standard, no efficacy standard. And the only standard is that the FDA commissioner 
needs to hope that the benefits outweigh the risks. So what what are the next steps? Is there anything that we can do to prevent this from being implemented? It seems, I think it's, a lot. It, yeah. Go ahead. I think there's a lot. Okay, so we've only talked about a few of the really egregious parts of the treaty, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more. And I think when you throw it at people all at once, you know, they can't believe it, they can't accept it, they can't swallow it. It's too crazy. Um, but in bite-sized pieces, um, they begin to understand. Now, 51 members of Congress have signed on to Andy Biggs' bill, H.R. 79, to exit the WHO and defund the WHO. That's that's a big number, 51. That means 51 congressmen have already been convinced about how bad this is. And we, the people, have to get educated and then push it out to more members of Congress, et cetera. We have to make, because these provisions are so terrible, you know, if you stand up in front of a room and say, you know, my congresswoman is voting to give away our sovereignty, to have the WHO take away our medications, uh, to transfer our intellectual property to other nations, to blah, 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 you know, everyone will say, of course not, you know, that person is terrible. So there's a lot of opportunity to to embarrass your members of Congress if they don't um, understand what this is and vote to get out. Um, I think that's that's our best bet. And so in our organization, so how, how many more con- now, how many more congressmen need to be convinced if we're at 51 now? We're at 51 Republicans. So we don't have any Democrats. And oh, you can't that's win. That's, that's just such a surprise. That's a shocker. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, Bobby Kennedy is getting his voice heard, even though the the mainstream media have not been letting him on. I hear he's going to be on CNN very soon. Oh, good. Um, So I think things are opening up. The message is getting out. Um, I have to approach people like you, who have a much bigger following than I, to give you documents, give you things you can post that you can talk about and help and help me to make it clear to people what it is we're facing. Now, the other question is, who's doing this? You know, why would they do it? So, and the answer is, we don't know who's doing it. We know there's some very evil, rich people that are doing it. We know that Klaus Schwab is one of their apparatchiks. We know that the um, young global leaders that he has uh, raised up for the last 30 years are a big part of implementing these things in their countries because they, they've been trained um, to do that. They're like a large um, uh, skull and bones club where they work together, they come together for meetings and their job is to elevate each other into powerful positions in industry and government just like uh, Skull and Bones has been elevating their members. So most of the secretaries of state in the U.S. have been members of Skull and Bones, for example. So um, we have to make people aware of the role of these basically secret societies and how they are being used to bring in uh, bad programs. 
people need to, they are already noticing the terrible inflation in the United States. And that's due to the money printing. And that was, they had to do the money printing to bribe the schools, the hospitals, you know, the industries, the pharmaceutical makers and and the media in particular to in order to push this whole pandemic um, narrative through and make us do what they wanted. Now, everybody thinks we're coming up for another pandemic soon. The FDA is pushing out a new COVID vaccine in the middle of September. What are they going to do to us next? And are they going to be able to print money again and dole out $10 trillion of our grandchildren's money? Um, I think people are able to start understanding this this money printing um, inflationary spiral uh, and how it impoverishes us for the benefit of a small group. So so those are, I think, um, bits of information and what what is needed is connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. So my article tried to connect a lot of dots. There was another article in Tablet Magazine. It actually came out in March, but it wasn't noticed. But it's a fabulous article which connects the dots about how the censorship was created in the United States, what methods were used, how an establishment uh, for censorship got started to censor uh, foreign intervention in our elections before the 2016 election, and then how that whole apparatus that was then built up was pivoted to, to perform the same censorship on the American people. It's a wonderful article by Jacob Siegel. Um, so he did do- a lot of dot connecting. And I think that's what we need. There's there's a lot of dots out there. Everything in our lives is changing at the same time. And people are so confused. And, and we need, you know, those who are paying close attention and know how to write to start explaining how these things are connected to each other. So we're trying to do that. And um, we've got nine months until the WHO um, will vote on these two documents. And we are hopeful that by then, you know, a million, at least a million people, I, you know, I gave a little talk at the um, European Parliament at the beginning of May. I was invited mm-hmm. to the International COVID Summit, and my talk was on the um, IHR amendments. Mm-hmm. And I prepared a 10-minute talk, and we, I was in the last panel of about 15. And so when I got to talk, they the sponsors came up and said, look, you only have five minutes, not 10. <laughs> We've got to get out of the room. So I'm like, oh my God, you know, what do I do? So I quickly, you know, I'm just looking, I didn't even have a pencil in my hand. I looked at my slides. Okay. What are the main points? And I gave a five minute talk and I thought it must be terrible. I never watched it. I never paid attention. Oh my God. You know, what did I say? Well, somebody made a three minute and somebody made a four minute and a five minute little video of it and sent it around on Twitter, on TikTok. Now people have added sound and they've added some other images. The thing has garnered millions of views. It's extraordinary, but it's because I I start off saying we are experiencing a soft coup. 
this is what's happening. You know, this is what the WHO is doing. And it's so short, people are able to watch it. Mm-hmm. And they're going, oh, my God. And they see this little old lady who is speaking in a you know very measured way. And they see the European Parliament, you know, insignia behind me. And they're saying, oh, my God, this maybe this is real. So, um, you know, that little thing has probably gotten five to 10 million views. And and TikTokers are now adding to it. You know, a, a young guy in a hoodie put himself in the middle just doing facial expressions as he listens to it. <laughs> so, you know, I think, you know, this whole issue of the who trying to grab our sovereignty um, is very meaningful to people. And uh, we just have to get the right messages, figure out the right messages, get them out there, and we'll win. So by winning, I suspect you're referring to convincing a sufficient number of congressmen to reject this treaty. So it seems yes. that would be and the people plan. around the world. Right. And, and well, people in the U.S., I mean, the, the U.S. is the key, obviously, I would think, to reject it. Yes. So. The so there are also bills and again, only Republicans have signed on to these bills, but I think 47 Republicans in the Senate that say the treaty has to go through the Senate of the United States. And if the treaty is because most documents aren't ratified by the, by the Senate, they're just signed by the state department. But if this one has to go through the Senate, it'll require a two thirds majority. And again, if we have done our messaging correctly. Senators that vote in favor of that treaty will be, you know, in deep doo-doo with Mm -hmm. their constituents. So we have that. We also have countries that are, are quite concerned about this. And so potentially these things could be stopped at the level of the WHO. Um, in 2021, was it, or 2022, well, 2021, the United States introduced several new amendments that would speed up these processes and, and do other things. And the nations at that time rejected them. And so the United States, when it came to a vote in 2022, rescinded most of the amendments it had put forth six months earlier and um, only a couple were accepted by the WHO members. So what is likely to happen is if we get enough of a wellspring of people understanding and pushing back, much of this will be withdrawn before it comes to a vote. So those are the things that are likely to happen. Um, there are other ways of stopping it. One is you don't you don't allow the United States, you know, as time goes on, you don't allow the United States to contribute money to these funds for building up the pandemic uh, plan. So every nation is instructed to build genomics labs. And they don't say whether it's for the genomics of viruses or the genomics of people. But what we do know is that the United States, the European Union, and the UK, all three right now, separately, are building up massive genome maps of their population. So almost 2 million people are having their entire genome decoded 
And why is that? I mean, it could be used for personalized medicine. It could be used for good things. It could be used for bad things. It could find vulnerabilities in people's genomes, or it could find potential drugs or other things like, um, uh, I can't can't think of the word, but anyway, uh, Harriet uh, Latt, had her cells, remember, taken. from. She died of cervical cancer, and those cervical cancer cells were then grown and were used in labs worldwide, although they were also contaminated. And her family was never told, you know, and people made a lot of money off those cells. And just now, the grandchildren and great-grandchildren got the settlement uh, more than 50 years later. So, you know, Countries, I'm sure, are and the WHO are very anxious if they can find certain good genes or good cells that could be sold for a lot of money, they want in on that. Um, so the, what else would you like me to say? The, the United States doesn't really have to fund this, though, because as I understand it, Gates, directly and indirectly through his other foundations like Gabby, uh, is the biggest funder of the World Health Organization. So he could just give them more money. Because, you know, it's possible that Republicans But what I'm talking about is, I'm talking about a bigger fund. So what what has been claimed um, to build out the global biosecurity agenda is uh, it'll cost 100 to $200 billion. Hmm. So Gates doesn't have that much. And... Um, so where's that money going to come from? Well, everybody wants to borrow it, but there has to be some money in a fund to start with. The United States has already put money into this uh, financial intermediary fund that was set up through the WHO and World Bank. So a fund exists, doesn't have enough. It only has, you know, I don't know, a billion or two in it right now, but it wants a lot more. The United States has also committed $5 billion over five years to the global biosecurity agenda when it passed the National Defense Authorization Act last December. So it's part of U.S. law that we're contributing that. In the budget, Biden uh, wrote, so it's the president's proposed budget for 2024, there was $20 billion for international pandemic preparedness that would is mandated and it to be go, given through Department of Health and Human Services. And then there's going to be more money for this going through DOD, going through Department of Homeland Security, and maybe more going through the State Department because USAID and state also give money for these projects. There's also going to be more going through um, USDA because the One Health Plan goes through USDA and CDC. So the United States is already set up to probably spend in the neighborhood of $30 billion a year on global pandemic preparedness. And within that, some of that money goes for surveillance. So it's And it's not only surveillance of viruses and bacteria, but it's also surveillance of our social media so that only the single narrative will be pushed out. And that is part that is written into this treaty. Um, yeah, the, the, and especially the revision that you said it got uh, the amendments that were published in June. 
sound very uh, uh, concerning <laughs> because yes. they believe that the, the premise for it was that the censorship wasn't sufficient. And that's the reason why we had such a big problem. Now they're going to escalate it exponentially so they can have total yes. control. And you've seen YouTube has already told us that they oh, are yeah. now going to censor all health information on YouTube if it does not correspond to the WHO's narrative. That was just last week. So just many last people, week. Many people may have missed that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this is crucial. So really the, the global plan, um, and if you think the United States is committed to the First Amendment, I mean, Google, <laughs> Google the owner of YouTube, is you know headquartered in the United States. And they do not believe in the First Amendment. Uh, also, this week in Europe, um, it, a, a bill or a rule was put forward, passed, um, passed. To, to monitor social media, any social media that are being viewed in Europe will have to perform uh, a lot of censorship and surveillance. So um, although the Missouri v. Biden court case is of tremendous importance at trying to get back our First Amendment rights. The globalists who are pushing these agendas seem to be of a mind that they're going to be able to get by that, and they are going to kill the First Amendment. And if we allow a constitutional Congress to take place where amendments can be introduced, that is a mechanism by which the First Amendment could be eviscerated. Concerning for sure. So what do you suggest as a strategy to thwart their efforts? Uh, have you put together any specific process on your site? As, what's your site? Doorway to Freedom? Door to Freedom. Door, Door to, to Freedom. Freedom. Org. Door to freedom. So, um, so right now, it's we've put up the documents so people can read them. We have about 30 two-minute reads about the documents, about what's going on, you know, about all sorts of things, trying to connect dots, transhumanism, um, CBDCs, et cetera, you know, child sex education. And we have a large number of longer articles about related subjects. So if you go to the site, it will give you a, an education about the massive global changes that the globalist cabal is bringing forward right now. As we speak, we're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of the coup. The coup isn't next year. It's not when these documents get voted on. We're in the middle. The documents are part of it. Okay. So we're providing this. And <clears throat> once we've completed everything in the website, which will, we had a glitch last week, um, and I've been really busy speaking and writing, but <clears throat> in a couple of weeks, we will start building a, uh, a worldwide coalition of organizations to fight all of this. And so that's the next step. As you know, Children's Health Defense just, you know, is going through a change of leadership. Bobby has gone. Mary Holland has left his campaign and come back to CHD just two weeks ago. Um and she's getting them back on track. So they are taking up this issue of the WHO again. And there, there are many other organizations I'm working with, Stand for Health Freedom, um, Heart, organizations in England, 
or organizations in in the European Union. Um, South Africa has some organizations we're working with. So we want to then start pushing out regular messaging to the world that will be, you know, the, the same everywhere. And just, I think education is it because even if we beat back the WHO, the, if we don't beat back this entire agenda, the globalists will hit us with something else, either through the UN or through new organizations or, or through, you know, national um, laws that are, you know, draconian. So um, the problem is to make people understand what's happened over these last few years, where it's coming from, how what led up to it and where it's going. And um, I think that's the best we can do. We all, you know, it's really important that we retain our ethics, our morals. We don't want to manipulate people. You've been manipulated. You've been mind controlled. You know, all the, the media, the advertising, the education system have all been trying to limit the way people think in the United States, at least, for at least a couple of decades. We want you to open your minds, become aware of what is propaganda, be able to identify it when you see it so that you can learn to think clearly for yourself. And I think then that's when we win. So I would agree education is a incredibly important fundamental component of the approach. It seems, though, that there would be another vir virtually equally important component, which would be to give people the tools to seek out and reach their legislators in the U.S., if they're in the U.S., and sort of a campaign to get more congressmen on board so we can circumvent the United States participation in this treaty. And since there's only nine months left, I think we've got to do, start doing that pretty quickly. So there, and there's some relatively yes. simple software programs that do that, that can help person, people identify who their congressmen are and give them a template and show them where to send the email or phone them and, or write a physical letter. Uh, you know, there's whole levels that can be done, but it doesn't sound, is there any pro plan to- Yes, so we, we actually like have some things in place. So there is a group called the Sovereignty Coalition that we are part of, and they have the Align Act um, software and can send uh, with a, like two or three clicks, can send messages to the president, your congressmen, senators, mm -hmm. governors, et cetera. And that was used. So when the, the funding bill came up a month or two ago for uh, State Department, and that was the funding for the WHO is in that bill. And it's hard to believe, Joe, I didn't believe it myself, but the Republicans had cut out funding in their markup because the Republicans are the majority in the House. Mm -hmm. And so when it went to the full committee, 61 members, we, using the Align Act, we got over 4,000 calls and letters, et cetera, to every emails, every member of the committee got over 4,000 messages the night before. And they cut, they continued to keep out funding for the WHO in the U.S. funding bill. That's now, crazy. that is extraordinary. 
Now they'll, yeah. I'm sure they're going to try to sneak it in, you know, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But right now, the United States has defunded the WHO in the pending legislation, which needs to be voted on, I believe, by the end of September. Now, Stand for Health Freedom also has something like that. And Children's Health Defense also has a Lion Act software. So um, we we can make this happen when bills are coming up, when important things are happening. We can get out the action alerts and, and get people to take action. So that's already in place. It's tremendously important, and we'll continue to do that. So when when is the call to action going to take place regarding getting more congressmen on board to the 51 that already are to uh, resist this U.S. participation in the World Health Organization Treaty? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're working on it. We're encouraging people now to contact their yeah, but we need we need we need that software to make it happen seamlessly. So when is that? No, when is the, no when is the, we have it. No, we have. So we have so, it. So what, what is there a page that exists that people can do this now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you go to the Sovereignty Coalition website, okay. um, I think it's sovereigntycoalition.org, but you know you can Google it, um, and you you will go you can go right there and see how to send messages with just a couple okay. of clicks about this specific bill. Members. Is this bill in there already? So the, the yes, so the bill with the fifty-one congressmen is HR seventy-nine. HR seventy-nine. Andy Biggs was the initial sponsor from Arizona, um, and yes, people should support that. Then there are two other bills um, that require if if the um, U.S. does vote in favor of the treaty and it passes um, that requires it to be ratified by the Senate. So there's a bill in the House and a bill in the Senate um, with, again, you know, what's the House bill bill number or the Senate bill number? What's the Senate bill number? You don't know? I I don't have it right here. I will give it to to you so you can put it in. in Um, And so those are important. And so people from Stand for Health Freedom and Sovereignty, Sovereignty Coalition are smarter than I am about sure. when to do these action alert pushes. Because um, you have to watch the bills. You have to sort of see mm-hmm. what's happening mm-hmm. with the bill. And you have to make, you know, you have to have people who are in Washington. And so we're, we're doing that at the level we can. If we get, you know, if people get more funding, we can pay lobbyists to help us do this work, that would be very good. Um, Children's Health Defense has um, two government relations people. And um, now that Mary Holland is back, I think they will begin to help with this issue, although they were hesitant before. Well, good. I'm glad Mary's back. There, you know, there are a lot of people who are, this is the most um, dangerous thing I've seen in my lifetime. So I'm putting, you know, as much of my efforts as I can and my money, you know, I'm do- all my Substack money is going to this effort. And, and I have, but I have many volunteers and we have wonderful um, webmaster, wonderful security person, and some very talented people writing for us and working with us. Uh, and we are, and we belong to many groups. So, you know, next, next few weeks, 
things will really start happening. Well, good. Well, we appreciate all your efforts and commitment to helping the world stay safe without intervention by the World Health Organization, which is the globalists, essentially, which is another another tool that they use. Let me mention one more thing. So if we have a pandemic, you know, whether it's biological warfare or natural, and obviously we probably won't know at the beginning, even if they could make a a 130-day vaccine, which they can't safely, but even if they could, that's four months where you have nothing. And the WHO and the federal government of the U.S. would like you to sit home until you turn blue. Mm-hmm. We can't have that. You know, repurposed drugs are likely to work against many viruses. When the NIH did a study looking at repurposed drugs that might kill SARS-1 and MERS, two different deadly coronaviruses. In 2014, they found 66 drugs that would kill one or both of them that were already licensed. And then they suppressed that information so you and I couldn't get them. They tried as hard as they could to stop us from getting this hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and a bunch of others. 66 different drugs that they knew could kill SARS-1 and almost certainly killed SARS-2 in vitro in a test tube. Um, They also knew about uh, non-pharmaceutical interventions like nasal sprays, hand washing, how to properly put on a mask if they if they work. They may work for certain Nebulized peroxide. Right. Nebulized peroxide. So many things. They suppressed them to it would be such a terrible mistake to allow the WHO or a government to tell you what you can't use. When when this thing happens and the government is not helping you, you can't let them harm you as well by restricting your use of what might be a life-saving drug. And that's why it's so critically important <clears throat> not to let this go through. And in both of these documents, they never mention repurposed drugs. They don't want repurposed drugs. They don't want you to be able to find out which ones might work. Whereas they could be testing repurposed drugs against all the, there's only about 26 classes of viruses known to man. They could be testing all the repurposed drugs against all the viruses, and it wouldn't cost that much. But if they did, they would probably hide the information. So that's one thing. We have to be in control of our ability to access care if something bad happens. The other thing is, if something bad happens, likelihood is it's going to come from a lab. It's going to be from a gain-of-function experiment. And what we need to do is shut them down. That's critical. And once we, once people realize that SARS-2 and monkeypox both came from labs, and it's very possible, very likely, that <clears throat> some of the Ebola epidemics also came from labs and weren't natural epidemics. And we realized that our risks are really from these lab-grown organisms. It needs to stop. And we either take the old biological weapons treaty and strengthen it, or we make a new treaty. We have provisions for inspections, provisions for destroying everything. We were able to destroy you know, millions of tons of chemical weapons after we all got together in the 90s and signed a chemical weapons treaty. 
this is what we must do to preserve life on the planet for people. We need to get rid of biological weapons. Yes, yes, indeed. And you know, thank you for warning us about their plans to limit the use of medications, uh, repurpose medications. Uh, but you know, my view is the drug model. And uh, well, I'm very grateful that we have these drugs because some of them are indeed very useful, like ivermectin. Uh, equally useful are these non-pharmaceutical interventions. Like I mentioned, nebulized peroxide being one, as soon, especially if it's uh, utilized early on, like within the first hour, certainly the first day, it's, it's almost 100% effective. But even beyond then, you've got vitamin C, high dose, you've got zinc with uh, uh, basically uh, other nutraceuticals like quercetin that drives it into the cell to kill the virus. So these are things that should be stocked up on that need to be in your home now. And if you're going to use nebulized peroxide, you need a nebulizer. Peroxide is easy to get, but you need a nebulizer. And that could take a few days a week to get. So these are things you need to be prepared. You've got to be prepared because we have no idea when it's going to hit. And when it hits, they're they're going to crush us. And it's going to be very difficult to get these items which are relatively easily available right now. I think you can buy a nebulizer for under $100. Oh, I know. You don't think, you know you can get it. My favorite is like $80 from Amazon. It's Peritech. And you want the um, pharmaceutical grade hydrogen peroxide, what percentage? Well, it's not pharmaceutical grade, it's food grade. Food grade. It's food grade because it doesn't have stabilizers in it. Uh, We like that. So that... 12% 12% is typically good because if it doesn't have stabilizers, it tends to deteriorate. So you store it in the freezer to help it last longer because it doesn't have a stabilizer. And then you thaw it out when you need it. Uh, but you d- don't need much. But basically, a teaspoon in a, in a pint of water of the 12%, a tablespoon if you're using the 3%, and that's your backup because, I mean, it's got stabilizers in it, the, the 3%, but you're using it at such a small concentration. It's literally one thirtieth of the concentration is diluted that that many times in in ideally distilled water and, and a, tea, a tablespoon of salt, which would make essentially normal saline 09 percent. So, uh, and that's easy. You keep it in the fridge and you just nebulize it. it doesn't have to be sterile, uh, you know. So, uh, it's great stuff and it, it's really expensive and easy to get. So. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Vitamin C to keep yourself tanked up on vitamin D. Yeah. I yeah. Find- well, the best, the best way is the sun. This is the time to do it. Now you get your, get outside, move for an hour at solar noon and, and wear as minimal clothes as possible because the, the, the vitamin D generated in your body is exponentially superior to any pill you're going to swallow because the sunshine provides other benefits than vitamin D, it's near infrared, which is phenomenally important to make structured water and melatonin in your mitochondria, subcellular melatonin. So you can't get that by swallowing a pill. You've got to get the, the, I mean, ideally you get it from the sun. So now's the time to do it. In the middle of winter, you don't have, most people don't have a choice unless you're going to be vacationing somewhere really warm. Well, I want to say that I'm in Maine. I don't get that much sun, but I used to take vitamin D and I couldn't get my level up about above about 35, but I got some other brand and I got my level up to a hundred and I'm getting so many fewer infections. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Because it's, it, 
it's not that the vitamin D is directly responsible. Oh, it is directly responsible, but it doesn't do it by itself. It does. It, it generates something called AMPs, which are antimicrobial peptides. Cathelicidin being one of the most important, and these are potent antipathogenic. I mean, they they just decimate many of these viruses. So that's why it's so important. But you know, you can get my level last time I tested was a hundred, and and I haven't taken vitamin D for almost fifteen years. So you can get it just from the sun. It's difficult. You've got to be diligent and assiduous and consistent, but you know, you've got to take care of your health too. And, and you know, I would encourage you, Meryl, to recognize that you're only human, <laughs> that you need a break and you know, you can do some things, make phone calls or listen to a book or just meditate and reflect and walk outside at solar noon, you know, with minimal clothes. And so, because you, you, you need the sun, but you need to move too. Movement is so, almost as important as getting sun exposure is movement. And, and many of us who are just desk-bound and on a mission to save the world, you know, we kind of sacrifice our health in, 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 uh, in light of doing these essential requirements. And the reason I'm, you know, that's my that's my passion, and I'm actually in the process of putting together a course that describes the, in different modules, like 50 different modules, and you know, movement is definitely one of them. It's so important to augmenting all your natural defense mechanisms to stay healthy and, and literally optimize your health. Without it, it's really really hard, and you just start to generate prematurely. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I actually went for a five mile walk on Saturday. Oh, perfect. Went out to camp yesterday and sat in the sun. So, yeah, that's uh, what you need. But you don't need a big, that's great. I mean, ideally you do that every day, but for those, if you schedule those up, do go 15, 20 minutes, maybe do that twice a day, you know, if you if you have a tough time walking that far. But, you, you know, it, it all adds up. Those You know, you don't have to do it continuously. You can definitely break it up. So- yeah, we just need to do that more and put it a high priority. I'd like to encourage people, time. if you don't have a good place to walk, I do, dance in your apartment. Oh, yes, it's movement. Dance. It's and not you, walking, you it's movement. All, right. all over your body. It's even better than walking. And it's yes, fun. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more because it's not that walking is magic. It's just it's just the easiest thing for people to do and measure. But yeah, dancing would be better or farm work or some other type of thing, whereas or housework, you know, could, could even work. So <laughs> it's just that you need to move. You can't be sitting down at your desk all day and think that's going to get you healthy. It's not. It's going to it's going to degenerate your health. Let's continue saving the world. Yes, that's a good strategy. But, you know, it's hard to, you know. We've all flown on flights and most of us stopped paying attention to the flight attendant years, decades ago when they have their announcement, pre-flight announcements. But but if you do remember listening to it once, the, the flight attendant tells you, if for whatever reason, the emergency oxygen mask falls down, don't take care of the person next to you. Take care of yourself first. Take care of yourself first. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. So that's a really important principle. And the airlines obviously know it. They're pretty effective at this and they've been telling us for decades. So we should we should recognize this is true and we have to take care. We don't have to. But the ideal is to take care of ourselves first. Uh, and with that, uh, what, any closing words and hope we'll, we'll, we'll seek to summarize that sovereign co community or sovereign coalition. Sovereignty coalition. Sovereignty coalition. coalition. 
Yeah, and then the Stanford project, and if you can give me those links, and we'll we'll put we'll have that all available in the article, so people can seamlessly integrate this. And then, you know, if you you're obviously on there's their committee, so if you uh, are told that there's an urgent action, you know, please connect with me, and then I'll seek to spread the message through through our group. Excellent, group, okay? fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, because we got it. We got it. I mean, this is important. You're right. I think your perception is spot on. You're, it's one of the things I appreciate about you is you're, you're really committed and dedicated and really smart. Uh, and your perception of this being one of the biggest threats is, I, I believe, spot on. Because, I mean, COVID-19 was a disaster, unmitigated disaster, but it's going to be worse, especially if we let this 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 bill, this treaty get passed. It just can't pass. There's just no way. That would be the beginning of the end. It's going to be really, really difficult to recover if that thing is passed. So we need to well, do everything I mean, People can always say no. So, you know, the law is here. They they will be legally be able to do things to you. Yes. But if everybody says no, then they can't succeed. We'll see. I think the best thing is be prepared and, uh, you know, thwart these, things, thwart these things preventively or prophylactically. So great recommendations. We'll definitely uh, make them available to everyone. And hopefully we can stop their nefarious efforts. Thank you.